Church. I hope that you are enjoying some beautiful spring weather today um, and that you are enjoying time with family and getting a little bit of rest no matter how busy your schedule may be right now or how not busy your schedule. I just have been praying for you that you're really being able to kind of live out some of the messages that we've been preaching and experience God's peace peace tap into um, his pattern of rest for you. So this morning, I want to share with you just a few thoughts, um, elaborating on some of the things that even Joe has been talking to you about, about the pattern of Jesus, and then piggybacking off of some of the things that I I mentioned last time I spoke on um, things that rob our peace, things like envy that we have to guard against so that we can really grow and experience God's supernatural, powerful peace that we're called to. So first, let's look at Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28. And I want to read this verse that Joe's been reading to us um, from a different translation. This is in the Amplified Version. And what I'm going to talk to you today about is really how your pace impacts your peace and what it means to sink our whole life to Christ. So let's look at Matthew eleven twenty eight. This is in the Amplified, and it says, Come to me, Jesus is talking. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavily burdened, burdened by religious rituals that provide no peace, and I will give you rest, refreshing your souls with salvation. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, following me as my disciple. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest, renewal, blessed quiet for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. What an incredible promise. You know, that is absolutely one of my favorite scriptures. And one of the things I love about it is it's not every verse um, in the Bible is actually Jesus describing himself. And in this verse, he's describing himself and he says, for I am gentle and humble at heart. And that, I don't know about you, but to think that we get the privilege of being in relationship with God, period, is incredible. But now that we get invited into a relationship with a God who loves us and served us by coming to earth, making a way for us to be in a relationship with him, to have peace. You know, God is our source of peace. He is where we go to find that supernatural soul rest. And so one of the things I mentioned the last time we talked was, you know, we come into God's kingdom and the whole ethos of God's kingdom, God's rule and reign is an ethos of peace. And this peace is given to us as a result of us trusting in Jesus and our relationship with God being restored because the punishment for our sins and all of our wrongdoing and all of our brokenness is now restored in Christ. And the peace is also, so it's given as a gift and we receive it. And it's given because our sins are put out of sight and our betrayal to God is atoned for in Christ. And it's not just part of um, our present circumstances, but it's part of our future for all eternity that we can live in this soul peace with God. So peace is part of our inheritance. And it's, I love the way Paul put this. And I mentioned this to you last time that we're actually called to God's peace. Like it's our calling, it's part of our right, so to speak, in God's kingdom. But sometimes we 
struggle, at least I know I do, really experiencing the peace of God in everyday grind of living here on planet Earth. And I talked a little bit about you know, different things that we have to wage war against that want to become like a thief and steal God's peace um, from our experience and our everyday living. Well, today I want to chat with you about how we can really begin to experience God's peace by following Jesus and sinking our pace with him. Now, when you think about Christianity being a relationship with God and a relationship with Jesus Christ, a relationship with Holy Spirit, it helps you even understand how important synced pace can be. So I've been married to Joe for about 13 15 years. <laughs> oh dear, my brain has just blipped. But since 2006, Joe and I have been married and we've been in relationship, okay? And I love my relationship with Joe. He is, if I can confess, my favorite human being. But one of the things that I've learned in our relationship is no matter how much I love him, one of the things that helps me experience peace with him is if he and I are synced on timing and pace of life. And so, for instance, when we first got married, now some of you know Joe Reeser personally, and so this will make a lot of sense to you. I like to say that Joe is kind of like God in the sense he's like outside of time. Like you've heard the verse in the New Testament that says a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day. It's like this abstract definition of God and time. And, um, and I am very... <laughs> I am very, I guess you could say, grounded in earth realm when it comes to time. So when we were first married, this was when our first year of marriage, um, I was at home. We, we lived in you know, a tiny little duplex apartment and Joe was working as a video editor at the ramp and I would make dinner and wait for him to come home from work. And one day I called Joe and he's finishing up an editing deadline and he says, hey, yeah, I'll be home in five minutes. And I'm like, okay, great, dinner's ready, see you in five minutes. So in my realm, five minutes consists of five increments of 60 seconds. But I've learned that in Joe's realm of time, five minutes means no increments of any seconds. It just means it's on my mind that I need to come home and I'll be there whenever this is done. So about five hours later, my husband walks through the door. I'm sure I've probably called him more than I can probably even count. So he comes in the door and let's just say this relationship is strained at that present moment. I don't feel any sense of peace in my relationship with Joe at this moment of waiting so many hours for him to arrive. And I can say from many years of walking and loving people that one thing that really does help us experience peace is when our pace is synced. And I just want to suggest that God has called you to follow Jesus. Now, whenever you're following somebody, your pace matters. And I would also suggest that Jesus is better at setting the pace for you on your journey than you are simply because he knows so much more than you do. When you're following somebody, their pace is the one that you adapt to. And we're following Jesus 
He is walking with us on our journey of knowing God and loving God on planet Earth. You know, another thing that can cause frustration and rob us of our peace is when our expectations are not aligned with what's really happening. And you can see that even in my, my silly analogy of, you know, relationships with other people. We expect that this is what they think five minutes means and this is what we think and all of that to be aligned. And that gap between our expectations and what we're actually experiencing can then be filled with things like disappointment. And if that disappointment isn't dealt with, it can lead to other more serious things like depression and bitterness and resentment towards God. So I, I like, if I can be just honest, my preferred pace for everything is um, fast. I just like fast. I don't like to do anything super long. Um, I, I know that that is kind of probably too telling of my weakness to the whole global audience. But I just feel like there are probably some of you who can relate to that. And maybe when you started your journey with Jesus and you answered the call for Jesus, um, you said, yes, Jesus, I'll follow you. I give you my life. I'm going to trust you. You get to be the leader. You're behind the wheel. I'm in the passenger seat. Let's go. And I wonder if you too had some expectations that maybe aren't aligned with the fullness of God's wisdom for us that we find in this word. Maybe you were expecting that you would follow Jesus and you would get on a high-speed jet plane to purpose, or you would get on a high-speed jet plane to deliverance or healing, or all of these promises that you find in God's word that you would just be on this supernaturally fast pace um, trek to glory. And then things begin to take a little bit of a longer time, or maybe it doesn't seem to be panning out as you anticipate it. Then that does not start to feel like an easy yoke. That begins to feel like a challenging um, situation to cope with. And one of the things that we need to, to, I have found, is really good in framing the pace that God has for me in certain areas is this. God's pace for me is patience. And I've got to sync my pace to patience. His plan for me is so big and it's so much more than I can comprehend. And he's doing incredible things that I'm not even aware of at the time. But if I'm not synced to his pace of being patient towards me and developing patience in me, I'm going to be out of sync and it can rob me of my peace. So let me dive into some scriptures because we know that Jesus is calling us to follow him. And in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, he's saying his yoke is easy. His burden is light. So how do we exactly experience that? Well, let's sink our pace to him. He's setting the pace and we're following his lead. Another verse that I love that kind of captures this um, alignment of our speed and God's speed and God's rhythm and our rhythm is Galatians 5. Paul says, since you then live by the spirit, basically Paul's saying, you're born into God's kingdom because the spirit of God is working in you. So you've existed now in the realm of God because of God's spirit. If you live by the spirit, it says, then keep in step with the spirit. So you start your whole journey with Jesus because of the power and the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. And then you continue to experience his love, joy, peace, righteousness, because you're keeping in step 
with the Spirit. Think of that word yoke that we've read in Matthew eleven twenty eight. We are yoked to Jesus now. We're in relationship with Him. Think of like a, even a three-legged race where you're connected at the leg and you're trying to move forward. Oh, there's a rhythm of God's grace for our life. Now, three areas where patience is so key in our pace is our problems, God's promises, and people. So I want to talk to you about the need for you so that you can experience peace in problems. I want us to sink our pace to patience. You know, I know when I endure, like when I come up against a problem, something I'm trying to figure out, what would God want me to do? Or a problem that I know is different than what I believe in his word, his will is. The first thing that I really feel like I need is relief. I want the problem gone. Like problem no longer exists. There we go. Let's move forward. Oh, but again, if you see every problem as just something God's going to wave his wand out and obliterate for you, then you're setting yourself up for, again, that gap because God's working things through all of the circumstances that come to your life. God is working something beautiful and glorious that's bigger than just relief. It's more glorious than even immediate relief. It's impacting people on a broader scale than just your immediate relief. But at the same time, I can promise you, your relief matters to God. And that's why we have the promise of Jesus' second coming. Right now, we have a down payment of salvation. It's guaranteed for us by the presence of the Holy Spirit. But Paul says in Romans 8, actually all of creation and ourselves included, we're groaning for that full manifestation of God's salvation. We're groaning and eagerly waiting for the full deliverance from death and decay and the full reign of God in our mortal bodies being exchanged for eternal bodies, all pain and suffering giving way to eternal glory and joy. So we're waiting these things out. And let me just share with you, okay, to help us align. How do we align our expectations and get synced with God's pace? Well, one of the ways is we just get to know God. And we get to know God by reading his word and what he, we can find God's heart and intention for us in some of these scriptures that we read. So regarding problems, set your pace to patience. And let's look at James 1, 2. Dear brothers, is your, um, is your life full of difficulties and temptations? I can see some of you right now, you're like, yes, yes, welcome to humanity. We're Christians filled with the power of God, but we live in a war zone. We're enforcing the kingdom of God. So Paul says, uh, or James says, then be happy. For when the way is rough, your patience has a chance to grow. Let it grow and don't try to squirm out of your problems. For when your patience is finally in full bloom, then you will be ready for anything, strong in character, full and complete. Oh, listen to this in the message. James 1, 2 through 4 in the message. He says, consider it um, just sheer gift when problems come from all sides. When you're under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open to show its true colors. Now, I don't know about you, but I certainly want my faith to be genuine. I don't want to be faking faith. I want real faith. I want real relationship with God. And it's actually 
temptations and problems that expose areas that I've been faking it and allow God to work something genuine in my life. So this is what it says. He says, don't try to get out of anything prematurely, but let it, let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Another translation says, let patience have a thorough work. Oh, so when we have problems, we need to approach those problems with patience. And how do we do that? We know that God is working in us something that's even greater than our immediate relief. Listen to Psalm 40 verse one. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. So this author is needing God's help. It's facing a problem. God, can you please show up and help me? And listen to the key word. I waited patiently for the Lord to help. You wait on the Lord's help. It shows that you value his help, that you really believe that his help is worth the wait. And then he turned to me and he heard my cry. I want to read this quote to you by E.M. Bounds. E.M. Bounds was an author. Um, well, he was a minister, but he wrote, ex- he wrote beautiful things on prayer and the power of our prayer. And he says here, I think Christians fail so often to get answers to their prayers because they do not wait long enough for God. They just drop down and say a few words, and then they jump up and forget it and expect God to answer them. Such praying always reminds me of the small boy ringing his neighbor's doorbell and then running away as fast as he can go before before the guy even answers. And sometimes I just want to encourage you, um, because God's working things in you, And not just outside of you, you wait for God's help. And if you sink your pace to patience, then you will experience more of his peace in the middle of the problem. Another area that we've got to sync up with God is the promises that he's given us being fully fulfilled. God has given us promises. I've been talking to you even about some of those. The promise for help, the promise of his peace. But beyond that, we have incredible promises. Let me read to you some of these verses about the promises that God has given us. He says in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not anyone, he does not want anyone to be destroyed. He wants everyone to repent. James 5, 7 says, dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. As Christians, we are anticipating and waiting for Jesus to come and bring about the fullness of his rule and reign. And so we're waiting expectantly for that. And Jesus talks so much about that in the New Testament when he's giving parables about the kingdom of God and the kingdom coming in full measure and his return. He's saying, be found awake, be found ready, be found waiting for these promises to be fulfilled. So James says, you have to be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. 
Now, I'm not just talking about promises that are about Jesus returning in glory and all of that that's coming with the new heaven and the new earth. There are also promises that God has given you about your assignment, about your purpose, about your personal life. Things like healing, deliverance, power, ministry, dreams and visions. Um, things that God has spoken to your heart. Just like God spoke to Abraham and gave him a promise about his descendants. You know what it says in Hebrews? Hebrews is a book where it talks a lot about faith and the promises of God. It says that Abraham, he finally received the promise because he was just patiently holding that promise and waiting for it. Listen to what Hebrews 10 36, kind of summarizing some of those thoughts about Abraham and such. It says, you need to patiently keep doing God's will if you want him to do for all that he's promised you. Patiently doing God's will. In the parable where Jesus is talking about the sower that sows seed on the different soils, the very end of that says that those where the soil landed on good hearts, honest hearts. It says they clung to the word of God and then they patiently produced a harvest. Listen to verse, um, this verse here, Psalms 37, verse seven. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Some of you have been doing your part. You're being faithful to be obedient to what God has told you to do. And I want to encourage you, you need to keep doing what God's told you to do and wait patiently for the Lord to act and do what he's promised to do. And sometimes we think that being patient or being still or waiting on God just means that we can like chill out and just take kind of a spiritual siesta, so to speak. There is a soul rest, but that soul rest, it often comes from still holding the promise in faith. And listen to what um, Hebrews 12, 6 says. We don't want you to become lazy, okay? Waiting on God is not like, okay, I'm not going to think about that. I'm just going to like box that whole area of my life off, completely disengage and pretend it doesn't exist. And then I'll just be blown out of the water when God shows up and brings the answer and deliverance. That's not really what I feel... I interpret scripture to mean when it's talking about waiting on God. In fact, I love what Bob Sorge says where he says waiting on God is doing anything and everything it takes to keep a position of faith on the matter. So you're holding God's promise in faith. Now, I know I've been keeping you informed, Ramp Church, about my slightly dysfunctional relationship with exercise over the past year or so. And I have just an update for you on that that ties into this being still in God's presence and holding the promise with faith, okay? So I have started doing these bar classes. And I don't know if you know what bar is, but it's a ballet workout type thing, which is really funny. Joe has tried to record this and send it to you all, but I have intervened, thankfully. Um, the first time I did a bar class was actually years ago. My friend Jessica was doing um, bar classes and I decided, hey, I'm going to try this out. Now, I'm certainly not a dancer or skilled, but it's supposed to be a really good workout. So I went to this workout and let me just tell you, during this workout, I started like the whole thing is kind of based on this term isometric hold. And it's where you get your muscles in a really uncomfortable position and then you just hold it right there. 
And so Jessica's leading this class. I'm doing like, I don't know, leg lifts or something. And she's just encouraging this, these tiny, tiny, tiny little movements. And then when it gets to the most uncomfortable position possible, then the bar teacher says, and hold it right there. Hold it and hold. And you're just shaking, or at least I was shaking. In fact, I was shaking so much, I was looking at my leg and I was thinking, oh my gosh, like my leg is having a seizure. Like everybody in this bar class is looking at my leg, have a full on seizure. I didn't know my leg could have a seizure without the rest of me having a seizure. And I'm just trying to hold this position and it's shaking. And then as I've been doing these bar classes online, the teacher's really funny because, you know, they get all smiley when it gets real painful. They're like, hold it. That's right. Hold it and smile right there and hold it for eight. And she says, feel the shake. She says, you want the shake. She says, the shake in that stillness is what's really deeply working those muscles. And I was thinking, oh, this is terrible. Well, the only, the only thing, and I can tell you, I don't do those consistently, so don't think too highly of me, but my very few classes in bar have taught me something that I feel like parallels with my walk of faith, is I have these promises, and God is saying in his word, wait on the Lord. And wait on the Lord does not mean relax your grip and chill out, eat popcorn and watch Netflix, wait on God. Wait on him to just show up in your situation and blow you out of the water with how awesome he is. No, waiting on God, I find, is often like that isometric hold in exercise. It's holding that word of God. And then you hold that promise so that your faith is still engaged with the promise. And you don't disconnect your faith from that promise. And you don't disconnect your faith and your hope from that word that God has given you. And you just hold it there. And you wait on God. And sometimes you start to shake. And you're shaking. And you didn't know you could shake so much. You didn't know that shaking like that was even possible, much less healthy. Who wants to intentionally shake like that? But God sees it working something deep in your spiritual muscles. He sees that it's bringing about something genuine in you and your relationship. It's bringing about a genuineness of faith and love for God that's not based on external circumstances or what God can bring you on a platter and serve you with. It's working a faith in you that is dependent on who God is and how much He loves you. And your response to Him then becomes this unconditional, unconditional devotion to Jesus. That's like the three boys in the fiery furnace. God can deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're still worshiping him and not bowing to any others. So you've got to hold that promise in faith. Now in closing, I want to talk to you briefly about God's pace for you as you interact with other brothers and sisters and people on planet earth. And he's not asking you to have um, a pace that Jesus didn't have or a pace that, um, that he doesn't have towards you. And God's, when it comes to people and how we interact with them and how we walk alongside of them and co-labor with them and connect with them and build God's kingdom and reach out to them and minister to them, God's pace is patience. Patience. Oh, you know what is so incredible to think about with Jesus? Okay, he had three years of ministry here on planet Earth. Now, sometimes I, in a funny way, think, well, if I was Jesus and I had three years to do ministry and save the world, basically, and all of humanity, I'm thinking high-speed chariots, 
four hours of sleep on a good night. And we're gonna hit up as many towns and villages as we can, heal as many people as we can. We are going for this. We have got to save the world. And if you're following me, you better get ready. Put your seatbelt on. We're gonna go fast and furious. And his pace though, Jesus' pace is walking from one place to the next. And I am just so perplexed by that. What is he doing? Well, he's certainly, I think, setting for us, just like what Joe has said, a pattern that we can follow. And sometimes our pace is dictated by other things. Like we let um, our desire to be, you know, to prove something. Let me prove how successful I can be, Jesus. Let me prove how useful I can be to you, Jesus. I want you to sit back, Jesus. I'm about to prove to you how essential I am to your kingdom. And I'm going to blow you with away with how many souls I can save in 24 hours. And we are just like, blow, whoa, we are blazing through life. But we forget that there are people following us. There are other people that are impacted by our pace. And Jesus has disciples and multitudes. He has children coming up to him. And the disciples are like, no time for kids, get them away. And Jesus says, bring them to me. He has people with serious issues coming to him for healing and he stops and he ministers to those people. He has people coming to him and they're way out of the fastest route possible. They're all the way over in Samaria by a well and they're in a desperate situation and he's not looking at what's the fastest way I can get, but he is being led by the father and letting the father dictate his pace. And the father's pace for Jesus was to walk slowly, to be patient. Oh, I love the, the prophecy in Isaiah where it says, a bruised reed he will not break. Another prophecy in Isaiah says that he gently leads those with young. Your pace is not about you proving how powerful or acceptable or anything, how productive you can be. It's about sinking you to the Father's pace for you because the Father is aware of not just your frame, but the frame of those you're connected with. And you have gifts and talents and abilities that you need to steward, absolutely. I certainly am not gonna endorse laziness, but I also want you to see that you have people connected to you that you are also meant to steward. And Jesus was stewarding the disciples and stewarding the people God had put in his circle of influence by giving them a pace that they could replicate that wasn't going to break them or their relationships. And God's pace for you, it's not, his pace is different than the pace envy will set for you. It's different than the pace that a savior complex will set for you. It's different than a pace of proving anything will set for you. His pace is considering not just you and the people you're called to minister to, but it's called also to include the people in your world that are running alongside of you. Listen to some of these um, verses in 2 Timothy 2, 24. Paul's giving Timothy instructions on ministry, and he says, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. As believers, we're all ministers now. And this instruction applies to all of us in some way. God's pace for you and for difficult people in your life is not relief and obliteration and move on. No, his pace is be patient with difficult people. How do you do that? 
you know, I'm still learning that. But one thing that I feel like I'm picking up on is if I focus on myself, Stacey Reeser, being patient, it's a very depressing dead end. But if I can focus on how patient God is towards me, then I can find something compelling that my self-restraint just can't tap into. And this is the thing about being a follower of Jesus, is he's, he's kind of turning upside down the rules of relationship. He's saying, I know that right now on planet Earth, how you treat people is based on how they treat you. But as a follower of me, how you treat people is meant to be based on how I treat you. Love them as I have loved you, he said. Forgive them as I have forgiven you. Be patient with them because I am patient with you. God is love and Paul describes love as being patient and kind. So how do we patiently deal with the people around us and steward well their pace is we've got to tune in to the character of God towards us. When God revealed himself to Moses, listen to this. He reveals himself to Moses when Moses is saying, let me see your glory in Exodus 34. So this is 34 verse 6. The Lord passed in front of Moses calling out Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Oh, do you know that God is slow to anger? And that when he interacts with humanity and he interacts with you, he's slow to anger. He's filled with compassion and mercy. He's not like a man and he's not the son of a man. He's holy, meaning he's entirely different. And he brings us into his kingdom and he puts in us power to live a completely different life. And then he walks with us and he grows us up in that kingdom until we become reflections of Jesus on earth. And we have a tendency, or at least I do, I get James's instructions in James chapter one. James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Why? Because God is slow to anger when he deals with me. So if God's slow to anger when he deals with me, but I'm quick to anger to dealing with other things, there's an incongruency. And that causes disruption of peace when there's an incongruency between my inward and my outward world, between who God's called me to be, the way he's called me to live, and how I am. So I want to challenge you. You're not going to become more patient by thinking, I need to be more patient. And you're not going to become more patient because, by golly, you make up your mind to be the most patient person on planet Earth. No, you need the help of Holy Spirit to walk in peace, to walk in love, to bear the fruit of patience. You've got to sync yourself with Him. You've got to let Him teach you. And the first thing He wants to teach you is not about your deficiency of being patient, although that is a necessary starting point. He wants to reveal to you who God is and how God treats you. And that begins what Joe and I have been talking about, the inside out transformation 
of the power of God in your life. Outside, in, is what religion does. Do this and you'll become. No, Christianity is, look who Jesus is. Look how much he loves you. Do you see it? Is it revealed to you? How much love he has? How much hope he has? How much peace he has now with you? And when you see Jesus, and that begins to be revealed in increasing measure. And you see, well, God's not angry with me. He's slow to anger. He's filled with compassion. That works an inside-out transformation of how you deal with people. And God, my friend, is for us. He is for us. He is slow to anger. He is full of compassion. Like a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion and unfailing love for those who fear him. And he remembers our frame. And what I want to offer you today is again what we've been, with the help of Holy Spirit, trying to communicate to you for the past few weeks. Yoke your life to Jesus. Let him Set the pace. Let his power come in you and transform you. God is patient with you. Some of you may even feel so frustrated. You're thinking, man, I said I'd follow Jesus and I still have all of these issues and it certainly hasn't been a fast train to my deliverance or a fast track to my purpose and clarity. I'm telling you, Jesus is walking with you. He's committed to you and he's working in you. Do you know how we know he's working in you? Well, one just obvious little way is you're here listening to this. Hello. And we've been praying for you. And we've been praying that God's word would come to you right on time and that you would know that you're loved by God. And you, I know, don't have the full measure of understanding of how much God loves you. You don't even perceive fully how he's working in you. But I believe that if you're listening to this, I know, and you feel even a tiny little desire for God, Maybe it's just the size, I don't know, of a mustard seed. Maybe it's that small. That is evidence that God is in you and working, bringing you, leading you closer to better understanding of his love. Be patient with yourself on God's journey for you. Be patient with yourself. God's not in a hurry. When it comes to your development and you becoming like Christ, he's not in a hurry. He's got intention. He's going to work as you yield. He works as you yield. He works as you yield. So yield to him. And I love what Paul says in Ephesians 3. He says, no, um, what God can do is beyond. What God can do, the power that's at work within us to make us like Christ, to bring us peace, to bring us into fullness of his kingdom realm, it actually is beyond anything we've asked, thought, or imagined. It's so much greater. I'd like to just close in praying for you. And some of you, you may be thinking, you know, I haven't actually decided to follow Jesus. I'm not even sure really if I want to, but I'm interested. I want to invite you. Just click on the link, comment. Let's pray for you. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to. We just want to journey with you as you journey towards God. And all of us need somebody to journey with us as we journey with God. So let me pray just a prayer of blessing over you, Ramp Church, and for all of you tuning in. Lord, we thank you that you are the Prince of Peace and that there actually is no limit to the wholeness that you can and will bring into our lives. And we hold on to your promise, Lord Jesus, that you are not just making us new, you are making all things new. You are leading us into eternal abundant life. Thank you for your patience towards us. 
Thank you, Lord, to your commitment. Oh, how you know what's best for us and you gently lead us and you yoke us to you and your yoke is easy, your burden is light. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for this privilege. Thank you for this invitation. And in response, we just say, Lord, we give you our whole lives. We entrust our whole lives. Thank you for your peace, Lord. Thank you for pardoning us from our sins, separating us from all our brokenness and wrongdoing and bringing us in to relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you. We thank you for tuning in, Ramp Church, and we'll be in touch and see you later on this week.